Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast. Subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. me today. I'm super excited to talk to this person. Uh, he is an actual player performer, uh, recently a podcaster, and also a voice actor. And part of what sparked this conversation was um, our voices together. So here we are. Uh, super excited <laughs> to, to talk to him. But yeah, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Kappa. Uh, Christian is also okay, too. I use he, him pronouns. And uh, like Navar said, I'm a performer and producer in the TTRPG space. I've done a little bit of voice acting, and uh, most notably, I am dipping my toes into writing and designing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to be, I, I am, I, I should stop saying going to be, I am a writer for the Tales of Sina Una book that's coming out um, sometime in 2023, maybe 24. I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, but I'm also one of the leadership behind Friends Who Roll Dice, the mm. um, the TTRPG group that uh, tries to uplift marginalized identities and creators through actual play events, charity mm. streams, uh, product highlights, all that stuff. I and like you said, I'm an, I'm on, I'm on a few podcasts. Um, one of which I appear on as a as a player, an actual play podcast, Roads mm. Uncharted the first actual play set in the Genesis system by Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah. And I produce a to-be-movie or not-to-be-movie mm -hmm. alongside Brandy Rose, uh, where we watch and react to uh, and play bingo with uh, B-movies. And yeah. we, you know, we, we dissect them and, and, and reflect on them through the lens of other, like, marginalized identities. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of, like, the gist of what I do. I do a lot of performing. That, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. No, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, we love Brandy Rose over here. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. I, I'm excited that uh, the two of you get to work together in that way. Um, but yeah, where I always like to get started um, is how did you get into nerd stuff in general? 
Oh, okay. So uh, I feel like my story is the same thing as a lot of people. Like it's just, I got super interested in uh, reading and, and um, like fantasy books and sci-fi books as a child. Mm-hmm. Like my, my parents were always like, you should be reading. You should, you know, they, they had a huge, uh, uh, they, they had a huge influence on me and always like bought me books and stuff for, uh, for my birthday or as gifts, they would take me to Barnes and Noble as immigrant parents they wanted me to succeed and they thought that knowledge was the path that they know that knowledge is the path to success um as a lot of uh, immigrant parents do and so i grew up uh reading all the fantasy books and and all that stuff and that's just i think this is just the gateway into all the nerd stuff because yeah. when you get when you're interested in dragons and when you're interested in uh sci-fi and and all that stuff naturally you go to the video games and the movies and shows that have that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, um, there's, there's that aspect. And then also like I grew up watching Pokemon and yeah, Dragon Ball Z and all that stuff. And so all the fandoms uh, that exist today that people consider geeky or nerdy. And I like, I was there, I was, I was, I'm, I'm in there. Yeah. Do, do you have a favorite fantasy series? Favorite fantasy series? No, not not really. I mean, Unnameable Boy Wizard was a huge part of my my life growing up. Uh, but I've I've since then branched from there, yeah. going on to being interested in you know stuff like Game of Thrones, Witcher, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think something that I really really enjoyed reading that was that that people didn't really pick up on until a little bit later was was the Aragon series by Christopher Paolini. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I think that one uh that book series saga, I guess, um really influenced how I view fantasy and mm-hmm. RPGs and TTRPGs and uh, Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role playing games. I always go back to elements that I picked up in that uh, in that series, but then also like that series was influenced by a lot of other stuff before that came before, you know, yeah. you know your Dungeons and Dragons books like uh, um, Dragonlance and and all that. So, I mean, also Lord of the Rings is there. Like I, yeah. I watch the Lord of the Rings like every six months. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watch Fellowship of the Ring every six yeah. months or so. Um, so I don't know. It, like it, it's I, I have been trying to find a favorite, but I love each each one for its uniqueness. I, I, mm. They they all start to blend together, but each one has its own little little key of identity. You know that 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 yeah. draws me to it. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's been a few books that I've really loved that like got discontinued, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. or you know they stopped printing them, or like they just were never like widely popular. And it was like a thing I picked up because I liked the the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. And it, so it is interesting, like, you know, what stories sometimes will resonate with us and things like that. Like, it, yeah. it's, you know, it's hard I think, to say. Um, I, I have been into a lot of sci-fi recently, like sci-fi books. Yeah. So um, right now, my favorite story that I keep pushing to everyone whenever they ask is Iron Widow mm. by Jiren Zhao. Mm-hmm. It is very, it's, it's like transposing chinese uh, mythology and history mm-hmm. into pacific rim oh, wow. <laughs> and then make it gay 
<laughs> yeah, that's it. Is it, it's it's fun. It, it's yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's an angry book, and I mm-hmm. think that is what drew me to it because you can tell like the emotion behind it, behind writing it. Um, yeah, I've also yeah. been reading a lot of Three Body Problem, uh, um, by Cixin Liu, and what's the what's another one? The other one that I'm that I'm reading. I, Oh, and I'm going back, <laughs> I'm diving back into Animorphs. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> Animorphs is a big deal. Uh, it's huge. Yeah. Like yeah. K.A. App- is Christine Applegate? No, K.A. Applegate mm-hmm. created this huge world that I, I can't believe didn't get picked up. Yeah. Uh, uh, d- didn't didn't um, take the world by by storm. Like the people that love Animorphs love Animorphs. Yeah. But it's not widely like it's not like your star like a star wars you know or you know it's it's not like another like your other sci-fi yeah um popular uh, media yeah i think too like it's one of those things like it probably got the attempt at the tv show probably happened too soon i think so too yeah where like is, <laughs> it's a we have the technology show. i know <laughs> but it's, we have it's, a, it's a good show but it's it, a yeah. bad show <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of those things like man like you know give somebody like who has the money to like the chance to produce that now. And mm-hmm. I think you have an amazing, amazing product. Oh yeah. Uh, like, Oh, like it's, it, you, you could do so much with it. It, the, the world that she's built is so expansive. Mm-hmm. There's histories. Like I, I liken it to halo, the, the, yeah. the halo universe. There's yeah. this ancient history that we don't see very much of in the animorphs book, like the, the main narrative. Yeah. You know, it isn't until uh, until her later publications in the Animorphs series that we start to see like what's going on with the Elemis and what's mm-hmm. going on with the Horkbajir and how all these different things happen. Yeah, I do remember getting like sucked into that wave of Animorphs as a kid mm-hmm. um, when it was big. But I I also I feel like I also fell out of it pretty quick too, and I think. It's one of those things like the book trends for me as a kid were always a little bit weird because like I was very I was very excited about the idea that I could read at a higher level from yes. an early age. Yes. And so when I had the opportunity to read like books that were like written for adults, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And I just stopped looking at like fiction that was written for people my age, which I think is probably a little bit of a tragedy because there's a lot of things that I missed out on that like yeah. became popular stuff that I just never never even read because I just I was like, oh, well, I'm I'm trying to read, you know, the Rune Lords and fucking <laughs> <laughs> whatever else. So, uh, with the Wheel of Time, that was the other one. That's yeah, like it's came it, big. Yeah, it, it, it's it's like oh, uh, I so I was I was I was a '90s kid, mm-hmm. um, but as soon as I hit like maybe like ten or not, not like maybe twelve or thirteen, I was like, okay, cool, like I can read more advanced stuff. Like like you, mm-hmm. I can read more advanced stuff. And so I looked at Dune. I'm like, man. Yeah. Adult books are dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are a certain ones that are just like, this is too much. And I, even like, I loved the Lord of the Rings movies too. I watched them as oh, yeah. a ton. Yes. Um, but trying to read those books, I was like, ugh, I just, I'm having a hard time. I'm having mm-hmm. a hard time mm-hmm. talking. So, um, yeah, I definitely get it. Like there, it, it takes, it takes the right book, the right author, the right kind of thing. Um, which is like what I think helped me gravitate towards like fantasy books that had a lot of uh, action and magic, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, that it was like things were going on um, and it 
it, I was engaged in that way of like, oh, I get to read this epic battle now. No, yeah, definitely. And and that's so hard to do that I've uh, I, I've encountered. Uh, mm-hmm. I can only fill so much of my imagination uh, with the words that come off the page, yeah. you know, uh, for large scale battles. Like every battle in my head when I read it just plays out like uh, um, Peter Jackson's Helms or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, uh, or or the uh, Battle of the Bastards now in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to do because you are only given so much of uh so much page space before it becomes really really like okay this is happening this becomes very Mm -hmm. repetitive and 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 like like i described earlier very dry yeah it's supposed to be exciting but you can only fill so much space with so few words before you lose out on the meaning behind it you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah finding that pacing as a writer i think is is a difficult thing i've been reading the high republic star wars books lately oh are they good Oh my God, they are so good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So they have like, it's like a diverse cast of Jedi. Um, Not just in like the human, there's human diversity, but there's also tons of different aliens. But they also are very like shades of gray when it comes to like their lives. You get like in depth uh, look at like what it's like to like grow up in this like time of heavy indoctrination of the Jedi Order, but like Mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. just like, yeah, but I, you know, grew up with this girl. We're both Jedi now, and you know, I love her, and I don't know how to deal with that because I, you know, committed my life to this fucking cult. Oh, that's um, so interesting. Yes, okay, really good. yeah, um, but yeah, one of the things they do in that is like they get to these moments of battle, and the chapters will be like three to five pages. So you're just like you mm-hmm. read this like quick thing, and then boom, the chapter ends, and now you're on a different scene. And mm-hmm. I think that helps me with pacing a lot because it's like oh shit like okay yeah this is a moment in time and now we're jumping to another moment in time and so you're getting all these different povs of these battles going on Mm -hmm. without it being this like really long drawn out um description trying to fit a bunch of stuff into the same space okay i like that i like that yeah yeah um so one of the things you mentioned as you're talking about like the books you're reading uh were um, some names of authors who were notably not white. And so I'm curious, like, when did, when did representation in, in literature um, become something that you were aware of? Oh, man. I think it was high school. Like, it started in high school. I had this one very impactful um, humanities teacher mm-hmm. uh, when, when I started high school. And her whole thing was... She wants us, she wanted the curriculum to reflect the, um, I want to say, reflect the people who were reading them in her class. And so my school was largely um, uh, uh, Filipino. And so, and she was also Filipino. And so uh, we had an entire uh, unit where we picked, uh, where, where she's selected different Filipino authors and we would go through those books and process them like you would in a, in a regular English class. Yeah. Um, but then she also found books by African writers, uh, books fr- uh, of Chinese writers and just all, o- all over the world internationally to, um, uh, represent, uh, to, to help the folks in class who mm-hmm. didn't see themselves in the author space that like their identities in the author space because of, you know, your, your American literature classics, uh, like she, she was like, 
you can you can read all of these other books in your sophomore year, your junior year, your senior year. But here, I want you to uh, to know that this the, these stories ex- and these writers exist, and what they write is is good. And that blew me away because I'd never thought about it that way. I I she she had us look back at all the the literature lists that we had for the for for middle school and um she was like look at who's who's writing them it's always a white dude i'm like you're right it's always a white dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. from since then i I've, I've thought about um what i read i've only now started to get back into um uh really paying attention to what people are reading and what people are are writing and 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 all that so i go out of my way whenever i go stop at a bookstore mm-hmm. or whatever to see who's writing what and what names are are popping up and if there are any people that particularly identify for me like like filipino authors or japanese authors or at least asian authors because yeah. it's hard to find that stuff out here in 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 the west yep absolutely they have to be exceptionally cool or not from not not from china usually is is what <laughs> is what uh makes it out here to to publication yeah for sure yeah, I mean it is it is interesting and it's good that you had a teacher that would uh that took the time to do that I think cuz that's so special. Like I think about growing up where I grew up in high school, I, there was not very many black people at all mm-hmm. and I never had that moment of like here's other authors you can see until I went to college and I had the opportunity to do like an independent study with um an amazing poet and oh, uh, okay yeah and take like a jazz history class and like you know like things like that to where it's like okay now here's these black professors who are like here's shit you should read um and so cool. but yeah but then at that point i was like i'm 18 you know what i mean i've already digested <laughs> so much stuff and so it's it's great when you have that opportunity um if you don't mind my asking like where did you grow up uh i grew up in san francisco um okay. a, a little bit south of san francisco most people yeah. won't uh won't, won't know but that's kind of generally um, the area that, yeah. that I grew up in. Yeah. So, um, you, it sounds like at least from the class, like you had a lot of people around you, other, uh, kids who are Filipino, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I was very fortunate in being able to attend school, uh, where a lot of the kids and, and my peers, uh, uh, looked like me or identified the same way that I do. Um, yeah. like I think my high school was maybe it was, I think it was still majority like white folks mm-hmm. uh but the next demographic i think after that was filipino or at least asian identifying yeah um so i i felt i didn't feel feel very alienated um but uh when when you leave the, when you leave high school uh when, when you leave school grounds it's like okay cool like it's it's a very uh very different um environment so i think uh there was a little bit of comfort being at school with people yeah. that I, I I could identify with. Yeah. Did you ever, was there ever like a struggle of like having nerdy interests in school for you? <laughs> I feel like uh, my high school experience was rare in the fact that I was one of the popular kids. Nice. Um, but I felt like I never had to hide my enjoyment of, you know, Star Wars or, um, or anime or anything. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was just I was I, I felt that I could 
talk about that kind of stuff with anyone. Or there was that, like, I knew when and where or who I could talk to where I wouldn't mm-hmm. feel, uh, um, like shamed for liking anything. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think there was ever a point where I was like, I don't feel great about being a nerd or liking this one thing. Um, and I, I wanted to open that up to more folks, you know, um, I, I definitely rem- recall moments where people were, were drawing in class and they were drawing, you know, they, they were learning how to be artists and draw anime and all that stuff, but they would hide their stuff. And like, mm-hmm. and I would say like, Hey, like, that's really cool. Do you like this show or do you like that show? Like, and, uh, try and open them up and be a little bit more confident with their, with their things, because it's, it, it's something that they enjoy doing. And I, I yeah. wanted to, to, if they were interested in it, I was, I was all for it and wanted to um, help celebrate that. Yeah. I think, I think that's what made it, made me feel that I could be in a space as my whole self, um, liking the, the, the media that I do, that, that, that I do and did, um, yeah. because I, it was, it was all about opening the door for other folks. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and like, especially anime and just, or animated television in general, like mm-hmm. comic books, stuff like that. Like if you are a kid who wants to draw and maybe not like, you know, quote unquote, like anatomically correct because all, you know, a lot of these characters are like designed in such a way, but like yeah. to learn like the general form of a human, like it's hard to beat some of that stuff. Like I remember yeah. like it started out with like superheroes and then Dragon Ball Z was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm now just drawing like <laughs> Goku and Gohan and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so yeah. So at, w- at what point do you get introduced to tabletop role-playing games then? Not for a while. Like I okay. think, uh, I think in middle school, I played. Well, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a weird spot in my family where I'm the, uh, I'm the oldest among the the younger generation, mm-hmm. but there's like a year gap, and then, okay. uh, but I'm also the youngest among the older generation where there's another like year or two gap. Mm-hmm. Back when you're younger, that that one year gap means a lot, and so I was either responsible for. Uh, my sister and my cousins, or mm. I was the baby with with my other with my older other older cousins, yeah. and I distinctly remember being invited to one of my cousins' house um, for I don't know I think it might have been like a birthday or hangout or something like at my parent both my parents were working couldn't watch mm. me and my sister for the day and so uh, my cousin and his friends were playing I want to say it was Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons three point five okay. I don't recall because, but I do remember a lot of the terms. Mm-hmm. I should go back and ask him. Uh, I do remember a lot of the terms, um, and and we did character creation uh, really quickly, and then did a theater of the mind, um, you know, like swing a sword. And I'm like, I've played Final Fantasy VII. I know what this is. Like, this yeah. is just us talking about Final Fantasy VII. So I'll just swing my sword at you know this this goblin or or this slime or something, um, but. I think that was middle school. Mm. I think that was like when I was 11 or 12. It wasn't until maybe two or three years ago that I was like, I, I actually had TTRPGs and role-playing games um, hit my, hit, uh, hit my attention, like get, like became something that I recognized as a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for, like a lot of people, introduction was critical role. 
And yeah. uh, for me, it was like Critical Role and um, a few a few other um, small things out there. But I've always heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I've always heard of Pathfinder, and I think those were the the two. But I never like understood what that was until about I want to say like 2017, okay. 2017, 2018. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll I'd watch the content. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is interesting. Um, and then one of my friends was like, you would make a great dungeon master. We had just played a game, uh, a tabletop game. Uh, not, yeah, we, we had just played, I think it was Coup or something. One of those deception games and uh, um, describing the, the, one of the phases where, you know, you go on this mission. I, instead of like you just go on this mission i turned it into this whole like overarching story throughout the Mm -hmm. entire game where i would narrate what the goal was what each mission was about like this is recon this is a snatch and grab this is you know uh uh this is this is a a, a rescue mission or something and from there they're like oh yeah you would be make a great dungeon master for dungeons and dragons like i don't know what that is i've never done that before Mm -hmm. and uh, and that was it. Like I, I looked into it. I, I found Critical Role and saw like um, a few other dun- dungeon masters on the internet, um, you know, doing their thing. Like Matt Mercer was the 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 big one back yeah. then, like back in like 2013, 2014. And and so I was like, I think I can I can do that. That's something I can do. And that was it. Like I had I had searched, I researched what uh, uh, the the very basics of Five E. I ran my friends through uh, a quick one shot, and I was that was it. I was hooked because. TTRPGs, Dungeons and Dragons is the nexus of a lot of my interests and, yeah. and, and, um, and yeah, a lot of my interests growing, you know, growing up, going through school, go, going through college. It's, um, like we, like we, we, we see it all the time. It's performing arts. It's improv. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was involved in theater in high school. Okay. Uh, it's, um, gaming, it's math, it's optimization, it's min maxing. I, mm-hmm. I, that's, that's stuff that I love. I, um, I'm really good at math and statistics. Yeah. And then it's also your fantasy, your sci-fi and world building. Um, we, we had just talked about uh, all the, my media influences growing up mm-hmm. and it, this was a way for me to pay homage to the books that I read, to the shows yeah. that I watched, the, um, uh, turning that and practicing that sort of world building, that narrative, um, generation, Mm-hmm. And and TTRPGs is like that that nexus point the 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 intersection of all of that, uh, and so I've been I've been doing this solidly for, I think I've been doing this solidly for about five years now, okay, but I've only been in like the public TTRPG space for half of that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it really is like that's one of the things that I really loved about it, especially getting into like the writing and design portion of it because it's mm-hmm. like. Similarly to you, like growing up reading all those books, to me it was always like, oh, I want to, I want to be a writer. Like I want to be a published mm-hmm. author. Um, and funny enough, like I've never read Aragon or the mm-hmm. series, um, but I was aware of of the author. And one of the things like that he specifically inspired me about was like he was like nineteen or whatever. He was when nineteen, he yeah. When when Aragon got published, yeah. And I was like. Yeah, I could I could do this as a you know I still haven't finished a book, um, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean. But like that idea of like you don't have to be this fifty year old dude to get your book out. Like, yeah, you can do it if you just put the time in. Um, really stuck with me, and I think what that carried over into 
TTRPGs is like, I love creating stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I get to not only create a framework for people to play around, but also write things that they can interact with as well. And I think yeah. that, yeah, that marriage is, is incredible. It's, it's always so satisfying and, and, and in a very special way when you wrap up a session and everyone points out not only the story, but the mechanics behind something that you, mm-hmm. that you've implemented. Um, yeah. It's, it's not necessarily something that you publish, but like, I want to try out this puzzle or I want mm-hmm. to try out um, this relationship mechanic or, or, or whatever, you know, I, I, it, it's always like a nice buzz of yeah. endorphins whenever that happens. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So you start running these games and you, and you're playing D and D five E like at what point does the idea of getting into AP performance come into mind? Ooh, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, I know it's, I know it's only been two and a half years, but like the, the, the pandemic and, and quarantine mm-hmm. and all that stuff was right in the middle. And so everyone's brain, everyone's memory is soup. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think like a lot of people, it was just like, I, I need, I need something to do. You know, yeah. I'm already at my computer talking with my friends through a webcam all day, you know, and I have, I, I, I've, I've, I've been uh, running uh, my friends through games and stuff. What if I want to be a player, you know, mm-hmm. like what, what if I wanted to uh, not have to worry about story and, and facilitating the game? I just, I just want to play. And so I, I, I think that's what, that's what sparked that. I joined a, a few um, discords or TTRPG groups or, or actual play groups. And was like, I, I'm, I'm interested in playing. I'm down. And I think that's, that's, where, that's where that started. Mm-hmm. The performance side of things never really was something that I was like, this is what I want to do. I think it just kind of sort of happened. Yeah. You know, um, a couple of my friends in the space invited me on to uh, a, sh- a couple of the stream shows. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't. I didn't know you like we could do this. I the, the, like like critical role. What? Yeah. It's like nowhere yeah. near the same scale as critical role. But a streamed campaign, a streamed game where mm-hmm. um, you were on Twitch and people watched and reacted. Like that was novel to me. That was new. Yeah, I came into it. I, I came into the space kind of late, um, but it opened up the world to it to 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 think. Um, it opened up the world of AP for me. Yeah, and. My my professional background is in audiovisual um, technologies okay. um, for for events. Yeah, and I was like, I know I can do this. I know how to stream. I know how, I like I I know how to uh, work audio and video and mics and all that stuff. Let, let me let me see if I can do more than just sit in front of a camera and let other people handle it. Um, and that's I think that's where producing started. Yeah, that's where that's where producing started. Like, like, how about you? Like, what? How did you get to get to this point? Um, kind of similarly. Like, I I became fascinated with it after listening to some APs. Mm-hmm. Um, I did try Critical Role uh, briefly, and I got mm-hmm. really confused, and I just gave up on them. <laughs> uh, I did come back later and and watch the first couple of campaigns, but it was just like I just didn't understand. I got really frustrated with the idea of like them starting in the middle of a story and not explaining anything. Mm, yeah. Um, and that drove me nuts. So <laughs> I moved on. <laughs> um, but uh, I think like it was one of those things like pop culture, like 
around critical role is like you hear all these like stories of certain things you're like i need to know the reference for this now yes yeah you know it's driving me nuts so um but anyway yeah so i just kind of grew this enjoyment of it and i became like hyper focused on the idea of playing um and because i wasn't able to get a table together yet i just watched a ton of podcasts Mm. and so for me it was like okay i really want to do this um we started to play and i was like it's hard enough to even schedule a game i don't want to start scheduling a podcast together mm-hmm. uh ap and try to figure all that out so i was like well what else can i do because i just want to talk about this and yeah. so i was like well then i can do that um so the idea of like talking to people about their stories really appealed to me one because i love interview shows and um two because my table was already pretty diverse and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i wanted to know about other people because when you like, that was one of the things I noticed, like looking at Critical Role, it's like, okay, well, it's still a table of all white people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another show I really love, Glass Cannon Podcast, is literally five white dudes. Um, up until recently, they were all outwardly heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of them has come out as bi. So like the, the, it just was like, it, it, we're getting the same thing over and over and over. Um there's a couple other shows that are like very popular that I just couldn't even listen to, but it's mm-hmm, the same, mm-hmm. same thing in terms of cast. And so I was like, well, I want to, I want to find these other people who are playing these games that, um, that don't look like that, that yeah. don't have that same story of that went, that grew up in life like me maybe. And I had to like not talk about some of the stuff that I enjoyed because people didn't understand that I could enjoy those things. And so, yeah, it's just that, um, similarly, like that driving force of like, how do we engage people of marginalized communities and lift them up to show everybody, not only to inspire other people, but to show other people like, hey, we're here, we can do this thing too. We're just as skilled, um, you know, just as as great a performer, if not better. All these different things. Yeah, the 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 stories that that uh, you get are uh, compelling because you don't see it very often. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you you uh, I I say this all the time, and just um, when when you get a voice at the table or in the room where uh, a perspective that you've never seen before, you're going to be, you're going to see some new stuff. And that is always more interesting than hashing out the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe not as profitable, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, companies sponsoring stuff is maybe it's not as profitable, but it's so much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like that's the hard part too, is like we're in this space now where, you know, it's not just, critical role adventure zone and nadpod competing mm-hmm. against each other and there's you know hundreds of thousands of people who want to listen to ap's and those are the three ap's yeah it's like now there's thousands of ap's and we're all kind of vying for people's attention um but how do we how do we yeah get people's voices out there and show people that there's options and so it's you know it's the, it's the hard mix is weird <laughs> it's hard yeah it's hard because of how um i want how new this it, this industry, I'm gonna call it an industry. The space, yeah. like we know, it's a, it's a space, but mm-hmm. this the TTRPG industry, how new and how unique it is. Mm-hmm. We're getting people coming up from from streams and Discord groups and Twitter, um, uh, having to uh, do their own sort of, you know, portfolio. It, it's not it's not like Hollywood. It's not like like television or anything yeah. where you can go through training in an agency. Like there's no there's no school for it. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just, you, you, you take those skills and you apply it to this and then this is what you do, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you can come in from it at, 
you can come at it from the performance perspective or the game design perspective. But ultimately, those are skills that you've borrowed from other places and applied it to this. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's weird because we've only seen like the most popular thing uh, that the, the first experience that people get is usually just the top end of stuff. Like you said, like critical right. role, uh, role 20. But the vast majority of stuff is people in front of their, their computer screens on Zoom and then uh, just streaming via Twitch a simple five camera layout and maybe captions if they're, mm-hmm. if they're cool. And then uh, assuming everyone knows the rules, you can get fancy with it and, and crop out a Roll20 page uh, so that people can follow along the battle map or yeah. you just have a particularly good uh, theater of the mind campaign or something uh we're starting now to see a bit of a middle ground where it's not quite just friends around a table or or a stream um it's a higher production value yeah you know we're we're starting we're starting to see that now um where it's not quite the same level as roll 20 critical role all that stuff um it's it's somewhere in between and i think this is where a lot of the growth is going to happen there are a few key players in the space that I know are working on stuff to, you know, usher this along. And so I'm really excited to see what the next two years, three years of the space is going to look like uh, because of because of where we are, uh, where we're where we're headed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely going to be um, a wrecking sounds like too like uh, nefarious, but like just I think that there's going to be a time where like the cream rises to the top. Right. And I think it's going to be a separation of like people who do this as a hobby and people who do this professionally. And I think you're right. And I mean, you look at like the fact that there's every week there's a new like casting call going out for Mm -hmm. TGRPG performances. Um, There are, I have, we have, we have tons of friends who are constantly like, (laughs) you know, getting new, getting new um, uh, jobs in different, like as different. Per, yeah. performers in different shows you know what i mean and doing different stuff and so uh becoming writers becoming game designers so there's a lot of stuff that i think is gonna continue to culminate and i'm curious also to see like how much at what point do more people start working together mm-hmm. um instead of a thousand ships all going in the same yeah. direction but not you know working, <laughs> working yeah. as a team yeah <laughs> i think there's always going to be that level uh the, the, a, a small level of malicious competitive competition ma- malicious mm-hmm. competition but i have always tried to surround myself with people who are willing to share information that it yeah. really isn't known to everyone and then also follow suit and disseminate that information um so uh there's 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 a ton of uh ton of resources out there that people are just willing to share yeah. you know uh and and I think we're 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 approach. I'm very, being very optimistic, but I think we're approaching sort of that vision that, that mm-hmm. you're you're describing of you know more voices at the, at the table, more yeah. uh, people working together to put something on. Um, yeah, that is that is that level of high quality instead of being in competition to what already exists or in competition mm-hmm. to uh, another uh, another similar project that they know is coming up. Yeah, well, I think there's a certain point too where it's like okay the dam's gonna burst like there's so many there's there's very few jobs when it comes to like the teacher rpg industry where it's like this is your full-time career mm-hmm. yeah. type of deal like it's i would venture to guess there's less than like 200 jobs right i think so yeah that's you know because like you look at a, most places and it's like 
even Paizo, I think, has like, I heard somewhere it's like 30 actual employees. Yeah, it, it, they're an extremely <laughs> small team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't, I can't imagine Watsi's much bigger than that. I know they have like more, more staff, but I can't imagine it's that much larger. Yeah. Um, and those are the two big ones. Um, yeah. You know, was it Arc Dream, Delta Green? I think it's literally just Shane and Dennis. It might be a few other people. You know, Magpie is yeah. like 10 people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Like, I'm very curious about that, about that aspect of it because uh, so like the design and writing um positions yeah. and all that. Okay. I see. Yeah. Also because like there's people who are making games all the time mm-hmm. and there's more people who are coming into this. And it's like, okay, well, at what point does does this group of people say, you know, let's go in together and try to make a thing, right? And and yeah. do this as a team as a business um the other really fascinating thing is like uh i'm 34 i've mm-hmm. interviewed people who are 21 22 and i'm like if i could have started this <laughs> yeah, where 12 you're years at? ago <laughs> like i mean yeah I, the knowledge i have now obviously like it's it's beneficial like i've done a ton of stuff in different places yeah. um but it is fascinating that there are people who are like coming out of college and going cool this is a thing i want to pursue. yeah this is something that i can do you yeah. know as yeah. opposed to this is this is something that i do outside of work you know mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and I, then the other aspect of it is is that performance side because mm-hmm. it is entertainment and at what point does the entertainment start to take on agents and start to take on classes and start to take on like professional networks that are like you know what i mean like yeah like yeah i i think okay so i think when you when you talk about when you say 200 I think uh, to 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 put that into uh, a frame of reference that I can that I I think I can understand is from the um, from the the design and the writing perspective, mm-hmm. the official like industry jobs mm-hmm. is tiny, yes. you know, the, like the number. But there's so many like grassroots stuff that's coming out. You know, I just I talked about earlier in, in my introduction, uh, Cena Una. Right. Yeah, that's like the, the, there's so many people coming through uh DMs guild with mm-hmm. content. Uh, there, there's a ton of indie creators out there. They're like, I just came back from PAX. The amount of people that just self published out of PAX. Yeah. And it like, it, it's mind blowing. But like you said, like, I think you're right. Like it's still really small. And then when we talk about it in terms of performance, everyone wants to be a performer everyone wants to be an actor <laughs> yeah. and everyone wants everyone wants to be in front of the camera i think it's oversaturated the amount mm-hmm. of people who who want to do that yes. there are not enough producers there are not enough people who are willing to put in the work to make sure people's cameras are good and mm-hmm. uh, actually be behind the scenes and streaming there's not enough people who are running shows and and all. Uh, there's so much uh, impetus and and um uh necessity for a good gm but -hmm. people conflate the gm role as being the person who runs the show like who runs the actual like production of the show uh and and a lot of folks wear multiple hats and will do that but also uh schedule and organize the team and all that stuff Mm -hmm. i think i think there there's there's a lot of space for the behind the scenes things you know just Mm -hmm. like there's no way there is zero percent chance i think that um the seven folks on camera at critical role are doing any of the 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 other stuff like i don't yeah 
as, as talented as uh, like Matt Mercer is, I don't think he's got any any idea or any clue of how the the streaming part works. Yeah, like you know, how, how the cameras how, get set up, how the lighting, none of that. Yeah, I mean, sure, he he probably knows, but I don't think he touches that because there's right. other folks out there that have those skills and you know can get paid to do it. And I think that's something that is a huge disconnect when it yeah. comes to the wider TTRPG space. Everyone sees six people on a screen and think those are the only six people that uh, can be doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like literally, do you know how much a good editor makes? Like <laughs> it's so like a, much and just a good podcast editor, let alone like a good VOD editor. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm telling you, like it, that's one of the things, like I, I have no fear of losing my job, but I'm like, if I ever need to be unemployed, I will literally just edit. Yeah. Podcasts. Just start editing podcasts. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's, you, you can, you can do that, but it's still, but even that, and even like the stuff that you're talking about, like I definitely agree, but I think also the aspect that becomes difficult for a lot of people is like security. Yeah. If you're a freelance writer and you can bang out a bunch of stuff and you get paid, you know, that's great. But you, at some, you never know when the point's going to come that you won't have as much work as you did last week or you don't have any work next week and you're not sure yeah. to, you know, what to do with that. Um, uh, and the same thing, like there, being a TTRPG performer is not a sustainable career yet no. unless you are like a unless cast you're member of, yeah yeah exactly yeah unless you're like a regular on dimension 20 and i think that those even they don't just do that like they're yeah doing no absolutely like like uh, the folks over at dropout they're constantly doing auditions and stuff for 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 uh on like on in front of camera work for like mm -hmm. whether it's auditioning for like commercials or small yeah. parts of movies and all that stuff. It's Lou is a freaking late night <laughs> co-host. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's um and I mean part of that might just be too like, you know, not wanting to just settle for the thing, but also like it's it's not easy. Like they got where they got from yeah. a lot of years of hard work. Oh yeah. Um, you know, a lot of school, a uh, lot of learning, a yeah, lot of debt. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so it is it is really fascinating like to look at it from that perspective to try to see because like that's one thing that i think has helped me stay grounded mm -hmm. this fact that i am a husband and a father like i can't just do shit willy-nilly like yeah. i would love to take every opportunity that came across my computer but like that's impossible i can't mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. i have a schedule i have specific times and i have to have stability um so it's really changed my perspective and how i prioritize uh, my time and my efforts toward creative projects that I definitely feel like there are stuff that I miss out on. Um, I definitely wish that I could do more performances, not to be known as a TGRPG performer, but I just, I just love it. Like, yeah, it's a lot of fun to do. Um, I don't expect myself to be the next Lou Wilson, but I also just want to like, I just enjoy it. And I like to, you know, every once in a while get out there in front of people, but it's, yeah. But yeah. there's a lot of people who are like, no, I'm going to be the next Brendan. And it's like, all right, <laughs> let's, let's see all the work. That, yeah, yeah. And like, and when you, if you pay attention to more than just um, their their TTRPG performances and stuff, mm -hmm. you get this wide story that is entirely unique to them. It's very much right place, right time. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. If you're going to be the next, you know, uh, like next Abria, it's like you can't replicate that. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna, you have to be, you have to be you. Yeah. And if you want to be in the in, in those spots, you have to be working constantly. You have to be 
in the right spot. You have to know the right people. It's it, as, as unfortunate as to say, you know, you just got to keep working at it. You got to yeah. keep uh, chipping away at, uh, at yourself. You know, you got to keep improving. You got to uh, hone your skills, hone your craft. And then people will start to notice. Yeah. Well, even like critical role didn't just happen. Like geek and no, yeah, happened geek, first. Yeah. And then they had to be already like incredible voice actors who had a game together, who then mm-hmm. people heard about and were like, and Felicia Day is like, hey, why don't we why hey, don't you what, do yeah, this on camera? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then even then they were just like, okay, clearly not thinking they were going to get famous from it. No. Um, uh, and, and here they are. And so, yeah, it's, it is, you know, there's, there's a significant amount of luck that goes into it um, and a ton of marketing. And I think that's the other big part. Like I recently the other big had, part, yeah. yeah, Orion on the show. And that was one of the things that they talked about was like how shitty it is that marketing is like a main skill that you're supposed to have. Yeah. So many of us just don't. <laughs> we just don't like <laughs> it's, it's so difficult. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, there's, we rely on, I want, I want to say like maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen folks in the TTRPG space that I can think of that do marketing well, mm-hmm. uh, but they're all on the same projects, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, more power to them. That's, that's great. I want people to diversify their skills, their skill yeah. set. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, like, like you, I don't mm-hmm. feel uh, the, an, an intense need to be seen everywhere, to be in every single production. I'm okay letting, uh, like, tr- do my best to, if I can't make something or if I, if I'm, it's not super interesting to me or something, I will, ha- I have a list of people that I will push for. Like you, yeah. the stuff, if you wanted me on this, you're going to love this person or this person is available. And it's always, uh, it, it's always people that I either have played with or, um, people that I not have played with, but meet and talk to and and have have a have a rapport and relationship with so i'm yeah. always trying to do th- so i think with the with marketing the more people need to to learn how to do it like it, as 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 unfortunate it, as it is you, there's there's got to be some some graphic design element to it there's got to yeah. be you got to know how to how to handle social media um it, it, it's it's People go to school for this. It's people's entire jobs. And in, a, in, in this space, this industry that is mostly run by hobbyists, mm-hmm. yeah. we're, not, we're, 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 only, we're going to rely on the few people that uh, deem, deem the hobby interesting and well enough to apply their professional skills to it. Mm. Yeah. It's, it is pretty fascinating. Like I think about, so there's a show, there's a YouTube show. I was thinking about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. There's a YouTube show called The Cosmonaut Variety Hour. And I, I do enjoy it. Um, the oh, cool. host, Marcus, he does like reviews of um, movies and video games, stuff like that. Um, and he's pretty cynical. He's like this young black dude. Love it. And they, he and his friends started a podcast, an actual play podcast ar- around Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I tried listening to it, um, and I haven't listened to it recently, but the early eps are just, the audio is very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus has like maybe a million followers. It's got to be something absurd. Yeah. Um, but that show isn't like a show that anybody in the TGRPG space talks about. I've never heard a single person bring it up. No. Um, and so it's like, it's interesting when you look at that. Um, okay. 
I over exaggerated. He's got like a million some YouTube followers. He has seventy five thousand Twitter followers. Okay, um, but still, that's insane. That's a huge yeah. number. Um, but that show is not like the most listened to podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very fascinating to me that that you can be this one thing, but then also not this other thing. And I think it kind of goes also to that production side of it. It's like even though I like what he does, I don't want to listen to a bad show. Mm, yeah you know what i mean like it's yeah. hard like it's it just doesn't sound good yeah and I, it drives me nuts to hear like a microphone like somebody talking through an air pod <laughs> i mean yeah going coming into the 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 space coming into this hobby um with the skills that i do uh what, what that i have in audio and visual being professionally trained and all that stuff mm-hmm. it's the, it's it's so hard to, to find a show that i that i can listen to and that i enjoy because mm-hmm. audio is one of those things where if it's going well and if it's done right, you're not going to notice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's always going to be the first thing that people point to when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Or so when, when something goes wrong with it, people, that's the only, like people like me will just be like, this show is not good because mm-hmm. of the audio quality. It could be a great story. They could be great performances. Right. Yeah. But it, if it's hard to listen to, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and me understanding that uh, and still reacting that way, I feel uh, so much more uh, regular folks to be a little bit less forgiving when it comes to it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it is. But it's like it's something that I think so many more people have to take into consideration when they decide that they want to do this professionally yeah. or semi-professionally. Um because it, it is, it that could be the the point that turns you away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like how many folks are willing to be like, I want to be a teacher RPG performer. And it's like, cool. Do you have a webcam? Do you have a good mic? Do you have a boom arm? Like, yeah. do you understand, you know, a good <laughs> mic placement? Like all these different things uh, that can go into this. Yeah. Um, if you're a video medium, like how much lighting have you got going on? What kind? Right, yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. it's ridiculous how much. And that's just you as the performer. Yeah. So then it's like, well, okay, now you want to get your five friends together. Cool. Are they interesting? Do they have um, a similar setup? Do, do they, they also have the setup? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to edit this? Um, the amount of times I've been like, we cannot do this other thing because I refuse to edit it and nobody else wants to edit. Like, yeah. That's. It's so you know, sad. It's, yeah. it's like so much. And it, like it, the truth, like, like it truly is tragic because I can't fault those people for not wanting to, or not having the skills who are not wanting to learn right. to, because yeah. it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is difficult. Yeah. 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 The early days of me editing this show used to take me like four hours an episode. Oh, wow. Um, and, and like, consider that like when, like four hours for a one hour talk between two people and that's just two voices. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that's a huge chunk of time of your life. Yeah. And thankfully I sucked through it and now I can do it a lot faster, but it's still like, it still takes time. I still yeah. don't enjoy the editing portion of this. I, I'm, um, I'm curious about for, for like an hour, hour, 15 long episode, about how long does that take you to edit? It's basically like for every 30 minutes of audio is about an hour of editing. Okay, cool. And that's, and it could be faster. Yeah. Um, but I don't like certain sounds if I can, <laughs> if I can avoid them. And so I will remove them. Are you and, going to cut out my coughs or my likes and ums? I won't cut out your likes and ums, but okay. I will cut out coughs. And anytime that we like click our teeth together or, you know. Yeah. I mean? like, oh my God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the lip smacking that I, I do it all the time when I talk. Yeah. Um, but I try to get all of those out as well. Um, and so, Yeah. 
but I've listened to other podcasts that are like widely more popular than mine that don't edit that stuff out. Mm-hmm, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I wish I could, but I just, it will drive me nuts. So. Yeah. Uh, editor to editor, same. <laughs> I, yeah. I do cut out the ums. Mm-hmm. I do cut out the ums because there's so much um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there's a it, portion where it's like, um, 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 then I will do that. Uh, yes. you know, that kind of thing. Or if it's like a space where it's like, um, and then a lip smack, I'm like, cool. We're just going oh, to just take just delete all of that. I'm deleting yeah, the smack yeah. anyway. Might as well. Uh, yeah. Yes. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are certain times just in like a normal conversation where people use it. And I just, I think it's fine. I think the funny thing is like the one that got me over the idea of being so overly concerned about it was Brandon Lee Mulligan. And the fact that he says, um, constantly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And is like a luminary professional, and so I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I don't, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with, uh, with, with, with that sentiment. I just, it bothers me mm-hmm. <laughs> when no, I listen yeah, back to myself. I'm like, if I'm doing it for myself, I'm gonna do it for my co-host too, because yeah, yeah. I, when you listen to, there's no shade at Brandy. I love Brandy so much. Mm-hmm. There's so like, there's so much um. In Brandy's yeah. speech. Yeah. And I cut, I, I want to say I cut 80% of it for, yeah. for, for them. I, for me, I'm a little bit more, you know, 50, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, all right, fine. Just, that's, that's just how I sound. I guess I'm going to accept yeah. it. But I, I want my co-hosts to sound good. Yes. Not that they don't sound good without it, but I want them to sound better. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think like that's similarly like that and the audio, like it's so, there are times when people just don't have equipment that's yeah the best you know yeah. or they've got shit going on in the background and it's like cool well my audio sounds great in this episode <laughs> and that's gonna be that's gonna have to be enough but and there's times in my early episodes where my audio sounded like shit too so it's like yeah the, the learning process i think is is a lot and i think like kind of to go back to what we we're talking about before like the ability to like take all of this stuff that even between you and i like all the stuff that you and i know mm-hmm. and give that to people before they have to go and make the same mistakes that we've made over time. Like, I think it's such a huge deal finding the outlet for that and finding the opportunity for that is maybe the hardest part, but anytime that I see somebody like, Oh, I want to do this thing. I'm like, cool. If you would like advice, I would love to tell you about Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z because I would love for you to not have to deal with these growing pains. Yeah. I, 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 that's something that I've been struggling to as just finding a platform, finding the time to be, co- be, be coherent about yeah. teaching folks. There's, mm-hmm. and then also, also putting this, putting this knowledge into the hands of marginalized identities. I yes, want, absolutely. I want POC. I want queer folks. I want, mm-hmm. I want everyone to, I, I want those folks to have these skills so they can be hired onto projects yeah. that, do that that we're going to see in the next two to three years are mm-hmm. in between that hobby and professional like production value you know yeah. so like an elevated uh, production mm-hmm. and i want i want those jobs i want those jobs to go to people that are 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 of those marginalized identities there's a lot of ideas floating around of people doing like an all-black cast like strix you as, as an yeah, all-black yeah. cast i yeah. i i want um i, I want like an all all like Asian cast or all, all, all queer cast or all trans cast to be able to hire a person who identifies as that to run their production, to run their show, to do the edit. 
And we're only going to get that if people are interested in learning or the information is readily available for the for, for folks of those identities to pick it up. Yeah. There are, I want to say, I, I think like five off the top of my head, you might know more, five people that I know can do a high quality production mm-hmm. like Strixiu, mm-hmm. uh, who are of the, of, you know, uh, Bimpak or queer identities. Yeah. Five. Yeah. It's not a lot. It's <laughs> really not a lot. And, and yeah, so I, I, I yeah, I, I want to, I want to, I want to find space and time for folks. And there's also I mean, the other people are, are already doing this, uh, bursts of hope on Twitter. Jess yeah. is, is Jess always comes to mind. Always. Cu- yeah. Like the first, first name in my head of someone who is doing the production stuff and also trying to share that information and doing it in such a way that is easy to read mm-hmm. and, uh, e- sorry, easy to digest. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is Jess like that. Jess has done so much for the TTRPG space. Just like so much. <laughs> I think about, I think about Jess a lot when it comes yeah. to production. Uh, yeah. And we owe them so much. Mm-hmm. There are other folks out there too, but I yes, think the person yeah. that I'm closest to um, that I feel comfortable shouting out is Jess. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's a reason that they're so beloved, right? And I think like in that same vein, what Jess has done with Utopia mm-hmm. um, along with the other caretakers is like, that's Mo. that's a portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mo. Um, in uh, Miriam. Miriam. Yeah. So the... There are those places, but I think like too, like it's, we do need more, not only for that, but I think it's going to help relieve a lot of that pressure. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's great that we can all recommend Jess, but Jess is also probably <laughs> but just one, one person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So it's like, okay, well, how do we, how do we get other people on board? Um, I know like my friend, Joe, mm-hmm. um, scary dog friend on Twitter. Yes. Uh, uh, she's working on being a producer and is doing oh a lot of stuff God, to yes. like gain Joe that, is those so, skills. So yeah. good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and yeah, and like, and, and Lexi, but like Lexi did the Lexi. Strix, you yeah. know, a huge portion of what she did was, was on her own. And then, and then, um, Jess helped out. With and that then as Jess, well, so. Jess came yeah. in. Yeah. So Stella is like, also one of those people. Yeah, Stella, Stella yep. Luna is also one of those people that I want to shout out just who, who, has committed so much time and effort into learning her craft, their craft, mm-hmm. and um, has has done so well with it and has shared a lot of what I incorporate into my own workflow. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I I I just want people to pay attention to 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 more folks that are doing this, and I think shouting those people out is really really important. Yeah. Do you, so yeah, um, like to that end, before I let you go, like you, you mentioned being part of the production team for friends who roll dice. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, more like more the, the, the leadership, the, 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 the deciding body of stuff. Yeah. Um, mayor in, uh, Archmage dice is I think one of our lead producers, Mm -hmm. um, and, and does puts in a lot, a ton of work into friends who roll dice. And yeah. I, I think like everyone on that team is, is, is so good. I feel like I don't do as much as I, as I could, or, uh, as, as I want to do, um, with, with the team, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're, we're trying to, to make the space holistic, mm-hmm. uh, for not only the producers, I mean, not only, sorry, 
not only the performers and the the GM, but also the production side of things. Yeah. But that's hard to do, as we as we've just discussed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, Drac is another one. Uh, Drac, yeah, Draconics, yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the things like it's it's so fascinating because I've been. I'm. I just made a game recently, and um, I'm gonna do a, a stream for it coming up. And I was like, well, I would like to try to make the uh, overlay for it for Twitch. Yes. And so I did, but in getting there, I was like, okay, well, let me try to find out. Like, watch the video about it. And there are no <laughs> TTRPG overlay videos on YouTube. No. And so you have to watch these just shitty youtube or twitch people like video game twitch people mm -hmm. show you how to do it and i i ended up just picking one and i still wasn't happy with the creator but it like it worked i learned a thing but i was like i really wish that there was the, yeah, specifically and, like poc mm -hmm. creators doing this stuff there's so many different like spaces outside of like D, &D uh the brand D, &D where i'm like i wish a poc was doing this content yes there's a space for it and that yeah it's yeah. i i i hear you i i have run into the exact same thing where i want to learn a thing but the resources either don't exist or uh, uh come from um someone that also is figuring stuff out mm -hmm. you know yeah and that goes back to this is still a very young industry a very young space yeah it's it's people are still figuring stuff like there is almost no other uh uh, uh i want to say uh production type content type where you're going to need someone with the con with the overlay skills to make an overlay regularly yeah or a stream kit you know stream kit or stream yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um so that the the few people that do i want to shout out mayor again um yeah and just do it so in such a way that is so good <laughs> yeah, yeah. and 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 i want to be able to take that and turn it into a tutorial so that people can maybe not like step by step this is how you do it this is this is how i do it but giving mm -hmm. people the tools and stuff that they need to go out and create their own yeah but everyone does I mean, it also also everyone does it differently and so it's not yeah. maybe not going to work out in the same way that uh, I want to do my own stream where this other show uh, like Utopia or Transpainer want to do their show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that, um, that made me want to do it was the fact that like, because uh, Brandy creates all their own mm -hmm. stream kits. Stream so kits. like when you buy one of Brandy's games, generally there's, uh, here's an overlay already for you to use to stream this game. And I'm like, that's, that's so fucking <laughs> smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good because it really like the 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 gap in skills is like I want to play this game. I'd like to play this game on stream with my friend. I don't know how to make an overlay. Cool. Here's already one with it. Yeah. Um, you know, use it, have fun. Uh, you know, shout out Brandy. Um, and so like, yeah, it's I think there's idea. yeah. But it's it is, it's another thing that's like this is something that's happening through Brandy and maybe a few other people, but it's not a widely done thing. It's mm -hmm. not a skill that 
even a lot of game designers have many many game designers just like i made the game i don't fucking know what you want me to do with this anymore like you play it (laughs) you decide how it looks when you stream it uh it's out i'm done um and yeah so this like idea of being like this generalized content creator um is is uh can be a little bit tough and a little bit daunting but i think hopefully uh like we talked about like if if more people can come together, if you can, you know, work with your friends to say like, Hey, you know, can, this is something we can work together on, um, mm-hmm. join groups like utopia, things like that, where we can help lift each other up and provide skills, advice, et cetera, to each other. I think you get into a space where now, now more of us are set up to, to, to do this well and not hit so many speed bumps along the way. I think something that is important to bring up is sometimes maybe, you know, you enter the space and you, you, you're interested in doing the production and, and performance and all that stuff. And then you decide this is too much stress. This is causing me anxiety. It's okay to back out. Like you don't, you, you, you made some friends along the way. Uh, and those people are still doing their, their thing. It's, it's okay if you don't want to be part of that anymore. And the, I think, I think it harkens to the, the sunk cost fallacy. You know, a lot of people feel like they've locked themselves into the performance, the AP side of things because they've spent however many hours doing it. It's okay to back off and take a break or back off and work on other projects tangential to AP. You know, a lot of people uh, that, that I know went into it, decided this is a lot. Uh, but I learned how to stream and now I'm streaming, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just as, e- just e- as easy it is as it is to get into it, you know, at the, at the, at the very baseline skill, it's easier to get out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You just stop. Um, 100%. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Uh, and don't, don't let the stress get you. Cause it's, it can be a lot. I mean, I, I literally talked about like setting those boundaries earlier. I'm mm-hmm, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, there are things I won't do because it doesn't meet my time commitments. It, it's, or it's too stressful or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's important to learn that about yourself and know when to say no. Um, and know that it's okay if you do. Cause oh, man, that's how you yeah. like saying, saying yes. To every single thing is how you, like I've burned myself out for, mm. uh, I, the beginning of this year mm-hmm. and also the rest of this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's so easy to burn yourself out because, you know, you don't want to lose out on opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this could be something that, you know, is, is a stepping stone along the way. Like if you continue working at it, but also keep keeping your boundaries, you'll get there. You'll get yeah. there when you're ready. You'll get there when yep. you get, when, when, when it's time, you don't have to force it. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. So keep all that in mind. Um, Kappa, this has been so good um, yeah. to chat Thank with you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love being able to chat about editing stuff with folks. It's yes, so yeah. good. For sure. Not enough people understand our woes, and that's rude of y'all to just fucking go edit 15 minutes of audio, please. I w- you will appreciate your editor so much more. Uh, yeah, so, go. Yeah, yeah it, like like here, here's what I recommend. Um, if you want to learn just what it's like, go record yourself like monologuing, like read an excerpt or something from a mm-hmm. book, record yourself for 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and go back and edit it in a way that you feel proud of. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's those 10 minutes are, is going to turn into like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
and you're like, okay, shit. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a lot, but, um, it's a, it's a skill. It's an important skill. And if you want to do it, you can make money. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, yeah. Um, awesome. So if you could, before you go, just let people know where to find you if you want to be found. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm all over the place. Uh, I'm not that hard to find. You can find me on Twitter at the Capricris. And then whenever Hive comes back, I plan on, on working uh, do, doing a lot of my, uh, my, uh, a lot of my social media interaction also on Hive when once yeah. it becomes more stable. But, um, in terms of production, I'm in a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm in a bunch of content. So earlier I said uh, Roads Uncharted. It's the first actual play podcast set in the Genesis mm-hmm. system by Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah. Uh, I think you can find that on Simplecast. New episodes are out every Friday. Currently, we have three seasons out, and we're in between season three and season four. But we have some content drip feeding until season four fully comes out. Uh, you can also find me on Brian and Blight uh, on Stella Luna's channel on Twitch every yeah. Tuesday evening. Um, and it's it's oh man, I I, I want to I, I, every time I mention Brian and Blight, I gush about it. It's very good. I, just trust me, the undersea world building from the Trixie Wizard duo. It's so good. It's so good. They do all the art. They do all the narrative uh, uh, world building elements. And then we as players, it, it, it captivated us and we have started to fill it, fill the world with our own stuff. So I, it's, it's, it's really good production. I really want people to check that out. Um, I'm also doing to be, like I said, to be movie or not to be movie podcast with Brandy Rose everywhere. You can find your favorite podcasts. And I think everything else that I'm in there's so there's we I, there is a monthly mass game that I'm in on Ren's channel Thorny Dryad uh called U Force Inheritance where I play Max Maximum Swift a young legacy superhero whose family has been in the superhero business is known as a as a superhero and he's trying to find how he fits into that and the world alongside his superhero friend team. Everything else I think is under NDA or I, I haven't been able to talk about just yet. So yeah. I think, I think I'll cut it off there before I accidentally <laughs> yeah. say, say something that I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this absolutely. has been fun. This has been, yes. this has been a good conversation and I, I think this is uh, something that I needed. Thank you for inviting me on Navar. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved it. I've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. So uh, I'm glad I finally got to do that. <laughs> I'm so glad. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't usually like that. Uh, we'll give the people the story. I don't usually ask people publicly to come on the show, but mm. you and I were in a, in a, group voice chat yeah we, we were in a discord call <laughs> yeah and then yeah. someone was like you two sound similar it's yeah. really good and i'll comment or tweet at us whether or not you felt the same way because yeah. i i, yeah, I personally I think our voices are a little distinct but mm-hmm. it was it was a general consensus in that discord call yeah that we yeah. sounded the same so i i want to know I'm, I'm really interested in this kind of stuff yeah me too yeah for sure well awesome thank you again for for coming on Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Mm-hmm.